Piezo stands for titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. In other words, their commitment to mineral sun protection is right in the name. Taizo is known for having a unique line of all mineral sunscreens with different textures and finishes that cater to every skin type and tone. Sunscreen application may seem burdensome, but with Taizo, it doesn't have to be. Their sunscreens have been meticulously crafted to seamlessly fit into your daily routine. Whether it is saving a step in the morning with an SPF that doubles as a makeup primer or giving your skin a glow before running errands, Taizo has you covered. All Taizo sun protection formulas have broad spectrum protection and are 100% free of chemical sunscreens, dyes, parabens, gluten, preservatives, fragrances, and phthalates. Check out Taizo's mineral sunscreens and so much more at TaizoSkin.com. That's T-I-Z-O Skin.com. Shop with code LISTEN10 to receive 10% off your first order. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. Host came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hi, Chloe. Hi, how are you? Good, your hair looks super pretty. Oh, thank you. Yes, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? I went to goat yoga. Oh, I saw that. And I, I never did goat yoga, but I did visit some goats before. Okay, you know... Some may call me the goat whisperer, including the woman who owns the goats. So I feel like it's true. You know, if she says it, then it must be true. Um, First of all, I think that goat yoga is going to be like a once a month thing for me, like a good therapy Um, little sesh. You're welcome to come because let me tell you how relaxing it is to just have some goats next to you while you do yoga. I particularly like the baby goats. They nibble on your fingers. It's really cute. Um, and I also like talk to all animals. Like I have a particular animal voice. I think I sent you that video of me talking to horses at one point. Um, so I was talking to these goats and I was like, you are strong goat. You are successful goat. You gonna be CEO goat. And I think they really liked the affirmations. And then I was like, you know, if I talk to goats, like if I talk to myself as nicely as I talk to goats, I'd be a happier person. So um, in lieu of everything I said last episode, we are no longer going to let the ordinary ruin our extraordinary. And we are going to talk to ourselves like we talk to goats. I saw you saw Brittany. Yes, I did. That was quite an adventure. Um, we had a good time. My friend Brittany came over, who we both know from Leslie Kahn's class. And we learned the WAP TikTok dance. Oh my goodness. Um, and we did it 10 million times. And we drank a lot of Fireball. And we found another random man in my apartment complex to come in and we made him watch it multiple times. We have it on video. It's extremely cringeworthy. Um, while he's just in the background saying, you know, I, I hope no one gets hurt doing this. We clearly cannot read a room that he didn't want to watch this, the us do the WAP dance 72 times. I have bruises all over my knees from this WAP dance because it is so intricate. Yeah, I mean, this does not look too attractive because I think uh, people equate bruises on knees to other things. But I swear I was only doing it for the WAP, for sake of the WAP dance. Yes, I've recovered from this weekend, but it was quite a fun time. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Speaking of girl gangs, we have two amazing girls coming on today. We're so excited to talk to you. So let's go see what they're up to. Excited to welcome Molly DeMillier and Erica Spera, the co-hosts of Shooters Gotta Shoot Pod. Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. This is the first time we have um, four guests on, but I figured since we're all women, we know how to not talk over each other. So So thank you guys for coming on. Um, I think we wanted to start a little bit like how you guys met and how you started the Shooters Gotta Shoot pod. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so we've been friends for like a really long time. Um, Erica's dad was actually uh, my basketball coach. Um, and so like four years ago, when I moved to the city, um, Erica needed a roommate. So um, I just moved in with her. Where in New York do you guys live? Uh, we're in Astoria. Oh, okay. I'm currently at my boyfriend's apartment. He just moved to New York in February. So. Oh, what part? He's on Park Avenue, like kind of near the Empire State Building. Very nice. Oh, shit. Welcome. <laughs> Not in entertainment industry at all. So, you know, dating for the monies. No, just <laughs> Yeah, we kind of had one of those friendships that was like through your parents mm. at first. And then once we lived together, it was like, oh, this is who you really are, you know? <laughs> like, like, you kind of always have that thing of your parents being like, you know, Molly, she's a really nice girl. Yes. Like, she's a good kid. And she had that for me. So then you feel this pressure of like, okay, I can't really be like wild in front of Molly because, <laughs> you know, I don't want her parents to think I'm some bad kid, you know? I was just going to say, what did they think when you guys started a podcast together? Thanks for reviews. I mean, <laughs> given the topic, like, um, at first we didn't tell them what was it, what it was about. And then, um, it just kind of launched and then they were like, Oh shit. <laughs> That's funny. And where did you guys grow up? Did you grow up around New York? Uh, we were upstate, like oh, near okay. the Syracuse, Binghamton area, uh, area. Oh, cool. And can you tell people that like, aren't familiar a little bit about what shooters got to shoot, like what you guys kind of cover and like what the main themes are? Um, well, my half of the podcast is dating with herpes. Mm. Um, and mine, dating with an estranged family member. And then I, we had Hannah Dickinson on here too, Erica, which I think you did her podcast where you guys were kind of talking about, um, you know, that experience. So you give us like a little bit of background on that. And like, you know, Hannah was saying too, she was a little bit kind of like nervous to be outspoken about it in her comedy. Did you have like any feelings like that? Uh, well, Hannah was similar to me of like, we were already doing comedy for, I was, I think about four years in, I was just hitting four years and then I got herpes type thing. So, oh no, three years actually. And so Hannah, same thing. She was like four or five years. So it's more like, you know, comedy is all about being yourself and finding your voice and it's very honest. And I was actually like a clean comment, which just means like, you don't talk about sex, you don't talk about really much dating, really no swearing. And then I was like, oh, now I'm a clean comic with herpes. <laughs> so I kind of more was kind of going through an identity crisis of like, well, now I feel like this being clean thing is just fake. It's not who I am. Clearly I'm having sex, at least enough to get herpes. So um, yeah, I still haven't officially had jokes about it because in the comedy world, it's it, there's like a community and it becomes your whole social life. Mm-hmm. So for me to just go on stage and start telling jokes, it's me also just announcing I have herpes. And weirdly, I felt more comfortable doing it in podcast form because mm-hmm. you don't have live reactions to people. Like I already assumed most people probably listened to the episode I came out about it. And, but I kind of liked that. It was like, I can say what I wanted to say. I didn't kind of, I didn't feel as on the spot, I guess. It was like, I was just talking to Molly about it, you know? Kind of what you were saying, Erica, about like the clean comedy. I feel like, well, first of all, I was brought up Catholic too. So it's like all that guilt of like, okay, like I shouldn't really be saying this stuff out loud. And then also like, I have a full-time job. So I feel like, you know, whenever I drink too much, like I'm like, like, should I take that tweet down? Like at like 3am and I'm just like, you know, no one's probably paying too much attention to it, but yeah, it's just kind of hard. And I was actually talking to a friend the other day. I feel like we're in this weird thing as millennials where like Gen Z is so open, but we still have like our parents' voices in our head being like, don't put everything on the internet. It'll be on there forever. And like, it's just hard to kind of find the balance in between those two. Oh yeah. Like, I guess it didn't really come from being Catholic. It's more like through your life, you're involved in different communities. And it's like my parents in my hometown are very known. So that's one group. It's like anyone that knew me growing up is basically going to find out that I have herpes through this podcast, whatever. So I felt that was probably the hardest part was like, okay, for them to be like walking around their hometown where they live for the rest of their life and they feel like they're in the grocery store and people might be like looking at them weird. Because I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm at the point. I don't give a shit what these people think about me. I don't live there also, which makes it easier. Uh, So it was that. And then it's like college was probably like my basketball team or like, 
that kind of core community. I went to a small school, 2,500 people, and then then the comedy community. So it's kind of like you have all these different bubbles of life that you belong to, and you basically are the same person, but the family bubble and the hometown bubble is so different. And it's like, yeah, I'm almost 30. When I got herpes, I was 25. So it's like, even though it's 25, it's like, yeah, guys, I live on my own. Like I'm in the city. I'm doing my own thing. Clearly I've had sex by now, but it's like anyone that knew you when you were 12 is never going to see you that way. Yeah. I think that I've like, since starting this podcast have had that transition since I'm primarily an actor. So I wasn't used to like revealing personal information about myself, you know, that when I first, when we first started doing it, I would be like, when we were editing the podcast, I would also be editing myself so heavily because I just like was so terrified to be putting things out there. But yeah, I think it's amazing how you guys are both so comfortable with being open about your dating life and your podcast. And I think that that's another reason that's a little bit easier for me is because I've been in a relationship. So I'm not going day to day, like revealing the dates that I'm going on. And I know you mentioned Molly, that you were dating with an estranged member of your family. Would you feel comfortable talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like our whole second episode of um, the podcast. So if people want to hear like the deep dive, it gets pretty raw. But the TLDR is um, my sister, who's about seven years older, was my best, best friend my whole life, kind of like a second mom to me in a lot of ways with that age gap. And after her wedding, um, a lot happened. But basically, she decided she wanted nothing to do with the family at the time. Um, and that was four and a half years ago at this point. Um, so I've, I've barely spoken to her in that time. Um, she said she wanted nothing to do with me. She couldn't have a relationship with me. And anyone who knows me and my family, we were so, so close and similar to Erica, a really, really small town where everybody knew everybody. And um, it was just, it was really hard. And in a lot of ways, there was a lot of shame around it because you're like well you know people are asking you know how are the newlyweds and yeah. all of the what do you say well they don't speak to us anymore no one's no one's gonna believe that no one wants to know and then when you think about dating and I talk about my brother a lot he's always been like it was I mean the three of us were so close so he was like my other best friend and now he's like my rock in pretty much everything. So then I was I was finding when I came to New York and be, making new friends that people were like, oh my God, I didn't even know you had a sister. Once I, she would come up, you know, after being friends for like a year or so. And then like in dating, I'll never forget this. I was on a date, one of the first dates I had been in, um, in the city. And the guy asked me about my siblings and I just like, panicked I I started to like stutter a little bit like I just really lost my cool and he was like no no no, it's okay like we don't have to talk about it and it was just so awkward from there on out so I was like I don't even know what to say to people um without like looking ridiculous or really just feeling foolish like I just I didn't know how to talk about it because I hadn't come to terms with it myself I had just kind of put it in a box you know don't have to see I'm in a new city doing a new thing and it doesn't mean that it's not happening. I was going to say something too that we had similar with the podcast was we both didn't have boyfriends at the time. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had an official boyfriend since high school and Molly kind of same situation. So in general, when anything sexual comes up for your family, it's weird because they're almost like, well, with who? <laughs> you know, they're like, well, who, who is this man? <laughs> she's talking about, I didn't meet him. And it's like, yeah, just because I don't fill you in all the time doesn't mean I'm lonely, you know? It just never hit the point of me bringing someone home, per se, you know? Yeah. Uh, so especially with herpes, getting it from someone that's not your boyfriend is makes it, like, more taboo on another level, too. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I feel like I, too, like, I'm, like, a lot of my parents are, like, oh, we need to, like, catch up on your podcast episodes. And I'm, like, mm, I don't really know that you do. Um, but, yeah, Molly, to your point, I feel like no one kind of prepares you for, like, the toxicity of like a family member. I feel like there's all these articles out there about like, oh, if a friend's treating you shitty or if like a boyfriend's treating you shitty, like what to do. I will say a common dating question I get is like, oh, do you have siblings? Are you close with them? And like, it's just whenever you don't know what to say, it's, it's definitely hard. It's so hard. And I'm seeing someone right now and I'm kind of going to the point, it's been almost two months and we haven't talked about it. He doesn't know anything about the situation. 
I talk about my brother all the time because it just comes out like word vomit because him and I talk so much and hang out. So I'm like, at what point am I lying to you by just not not mentioning something? I don't I don't know because I, I do believe that that's a thing that like if I was on the receiving end of that, I don't know that I would feel great. Right. For me, there's a clear line. It's when I sleep with people. I got to <laughs> speak up about my thing. But um, <laughs> Yeah, there's no there's no line on siblings. <laughs> there's no there's no direct like, hey, this is probably the time. You know? yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say, Erica, like, were you kind of scared when you started kind of going on podcasts? And I think it's so awesome. I've seen you post on your stories people that can really feel like they relate to what you're saying and have been kind of scared to be outspoken about it. But were you kind of scared like putting that out there while you're still in the dating world? Um, I mean, yeah. To be honest, officially writing like. I have herpes on my Instagram. I didn't do it for a long time, even with having the podcast. I kind of kept it vague of like, hey, you know, like this podcast is revealing a lot of stuff I struggled with a long time, et cetera, et cetera. But like now that it's been a year and being on other people's podcasts where they're more straight up like, Erica's on talking about herpes. Yeah. And they're like, share this to your story. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, so even that took me a while, but it, I mean, essentially, I feel like anytime I do anyone's podcast or even our own, I'll get a message, a couple of messages a week that someone's like, hey, I heard you talking about this. Like, I have it too. And I just felt so normal that someone else like spoke all the ways I was feeling. Because the main point I make is there's never single people talking about it. Mm -hmm. like, the people you do find are in relationships, especially women. And the majority don't come out about it till they're married. And they're like, oh, I want, like, I'm okay. Look at me. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't want to hear from you. We want to hear from someone, like, in the trenches. Like, right. like did you read is, your wedding vows? Like, I don't yeah. want to hear about that. <laughs> right. Exactly. My wedding vows are going to be like, so herpes do a spark, you know? <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's something that it's weirdly helped me sometimes. A date I went on recently, um, during the day, the dude brought it up. He saw it on my Instagram and he just was like, your herpes doesn't scare me. I was like, okay, that's the first. I wanted to ask, so did you have to talk to your family before you started talking about it on podcasts or did you just like let them find out as other people found out? Yeah, I kept trying to like have a talk with both my parents at the same time, like sit down, but because we're this big, close family, someone was always around <laughs> and I was like shit and I was like the podcast is coming out in three weeks like we had a date so I just I wrote them like an email mm -hmm. so I an email and I kind of was like listen I got herpes a few years ago like I'm finally okay about it like don't worry I mainly didn't tell you because I didn't want you worrying about me you already worry about me so much but I basically apologized for like look I'm coming out about this podcast I think it could really help people and reach an audience that isn't being spoken to. I was like, but if I'm like, essentially bringing shame and embarrassment to the family, like, I'm sorry, but I basically was also like, but I'm doing it. Which then later after it was out for a while, certain episodes that like maybe were a little more sexual or something, my mom didn't like, like she was listening to all of them. I'm like, you don't have to listen to it. This isn't, this isn't a game. You don't gotta come watch everything, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I'm like, it's not for you. I'm not recording this podcast. Like my mom's gonna hear it. Uh, and then she kind of was like, you know, like, you didn't really, like, give us a choice. You just, like, told us you were doing this, and we were just so shocked and so worried about you. And she's like, and she's like, but now, now that you're all public, she's like, what if you meet some nice guy from a nice family? And, like, then they see you have this podcast, and you're doing X, Y, Z. And I was like, well, I'm a nice girl from a nice family. So, and at the time I was dating someone, so I was a little cocky. I was like, I am dating someone. He's cool about it. So I'm like, shut up. And now I'm like, like, this is going great. A week later, he's like, see ya. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it like, work out. But at the time, it was working. So, I was like, kind of juice in me of like well i'm this guy he loves the podcast he thinks it's great he thinks what i'm doing is great and yeah like deal with it but it's it's probably that generation thing but also like my mom's only been with my dad so like for her to ever talk publicly about sex was just not what she ever did her whole life so mine was kind of funny i did tell them um and i actually like gave them the audio of the first couple episodes to listen to and they didn't listen to it and then there was like kind of a blow up later um my sister was not pumped I didn't share with her um you know because we weren't on speaking terms so I'm gonna be like hey guess what um because that also it wasn't really what it was about you know like what Erica said we really launched our show to help people and help them kind of navigate the stigmas that they face in dating 
because the thing that we found is that everyone has something. So our first or second episode where we talk about ours um, with Erica's herpes and my family, that's really the only time that we like really dive into it. And then moving on, it just is kind of like a, a little point that we make moving forward. So it wasn't going to be something that we really, really dwelled on. So that's why I also didn't feel the need to, you know, get her approval or anything like that, especially with, you know, the years of things that had happened. But then when my parents and brother kind of made a comment, um, and I was like, well, you know, I gave you guys the, the chance to listen to it and you, you didn't do it. And I told you everything that was going to happen. Like, where did I lead you astray? Like, if you can show me that, then I will, cause there was the question about taking something out. I was like, then I will take it out. And my brother just goes, well, you know, Mal, we just didn't expect it to be this good. <laughs> that just wasn't what we were thinking. Um, so you got us. <laughs> um, but then ultimately they were like, you know, everything that you guys said came out of a place of love. And like, we showed them the messages of all the people who had reached out on both sides um, and how important that episode was. So they are like fully on board now with what we do. Um, there are episodes that my mom says she doesn't listen to that are more sexual. I'm like, I feel like you actually do listen. Like, I feel like you want to know. <laughs> yeah, I make my mom listen to all of the podcast episodes. And I talked about something like kind of personal in the last one. And she didn't say anything about it. So I was like, so what did you think about what I said on that? She was like, yeah, you were due for a crisis. So I think that she's like jumped the threshold from like, this is my daughter doing a podcast to being a fan. She was like, I wanted to know the tea. And then like, we had an editing issue and our thing was ending at like 34 minutes. And she was like, so what happened with Rachel? Like, I wanted to hear the rest of the story. (laughs) That's when you know it's a good edit. Was your mom like, yeah, Chloe's been holding down the crisis for it? Because I feel like I always come on and I'm like, let let me tell you about my week. (laughs) My mom like hates it and loves it because I'm never talking to her remotely that much about my dating life. Mm. So it's kind of this, she's this nosy Italian mom. She always will be. It's like, if I leave my phone unlocked, she's just going to look through it. That's just how she is, you know? Like, and she thinks it's justified. She's like, I'm your mother. I should know. And I'm like, well, if you're going to stoop, you're going to find stuff you don't like, which is the same with the podcast, right? So like, she's, we have a Patreon and that's like more where we delve like personal stuff. It's like extra episodes. And she's on there and she's talked to me about stuff that I was like, is she hinting that she listened? I don't know if she did. And then I heard from my sister yesterday. She was like, yeah, mom was asking me, like talking to me about why you got fired and it had to do with the condom. And I was like, and Carla goes, I was shocked. Mom even said the word condom to me. And I'm like, well, she was on the phone with me just asking me vague questions and wasn't like, hey, listen to your episode. I'm like, yeah. What she said to my sister, she's like, well, it's because I don't hear from your sister. So you know, that's like the way I catch up. And I'm like, that's way too much information to be catching up on. That you don't need to know. But like, right. you want to, there it is. Like, <laughs> go for it. You know, I basically was like, just don't complain about it to me anymore. Like, I'm doing my thing. You don't got to be involved. But right. That's what my parents listened to. It was one of our first episodes. And I don't know why this was the intro. I had just got done watching Selling Sunset. And I felt like the two real estate guys, they're like short little bald dudes. And I said that I felt like by the end of the season, I thought they were fuckable. And my parents alleged, apparently listened to that episode with my aunt. Um, and then all my dad said was like, your use of the F word, like, let's be a little bit like, I was like, I basically just said I wanted those guys to run a train on me. Like, we're not going to like even talk about that. Like, <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Towards the end, because you're just staring at them and thinking about how much they look like penises. Because I thought about that so many times, but then at the end, like I'm with you, I was like, they're kind of hot. Like I do it, but I don't know what it is. It's just they rubbed off on, like their idiocracy rubbed off on me because they're just like rich idiots running around LA. <laughs> you know where else you can find a lot of rich idiots? New York City. I know. Why don't you tell us about dating in New York City? I feel like LA and New York are just they're just insane. And I, we listened to, well, I listened to your, um, episode about Bumble. And I think it was Erica, you had like a very relatable thing where you were like waiting to see if the guy was going to confirm or not. Oh yeah. 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 That's like every day. (laughs) I just, I want to say with that, like, I feel like first of all, it's kind of a bad sign. Not that I need to be texting everyone. You know, I'm 29. I don't need to be texting you every day anymore. But like, if you're not like having a little build up before the date and then the day of the date comes and you're both just like 
do we have to confirm this? Like at that point, I feel like I just like throw in the towel on some of them. That's I'm being a stickler of I'm not doing the extra work past that. Bumble, I'm like, I'm already initiating. I'm already starting the combo. It's mm-hmm. good. I'm usually the one that when the combo's ramping will say like, well, you seem cool. Like I'd love to get a drink sometime. And then they ask for your number. I give them my number and I'm like, you got to take it from here, buddy. I did everything else. Like right. even that it was like, okay, vague day. Like even the day before, I don't care. If it's like, we're going to meet Wednesday night and you check in Tuesday being like, hey, you know, I'm off work this time. Is that work and this place? Like, but if I don't hear a word from you, I'm like, I'm not following up. I'm just not. I'm, because even if you follow up Wednesday, I'm not going on that date. That's like a hard rule I've been doing. Because I'm like, no, I'm not doing this last minute date bullshit. Like I did that enough in my early 20s. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fun story for me. I would, I have an iPhone and I was texting someone with an Android and it didn't go through to him all day. Like my messages weren't going through. I was getting like that, like exclamation point. And I kept like sending them. And then I thought they went through and I get to the restaurant and he's like, well, you didn't confirm with me all day. And I was like, no, I definitely did. It's your shitty Android. It's not me. Um, and then, yeah. And then he was like, well, just wait there. Like I told my brother to come over cause I didn't think we were going to have a date. I waited for him for like an hour. And then he's like, well, my brother drove all the way here. Like I can't come anymore. And I was just like, fuck you, dude. I can't. <laughs> well, I mean, you're saying the text, but if I didn't get an answer, I wouldn't go. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it from his side, but it's just like hard. Cause it's like, whose fault was that? It was just like a phone miscommunication. But at the same time, I will say where I think he went wrong was like telling me to wait there. For I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. But no, tell us about New York. Cause I mean, I think like I could name like a million LA cliches that we see on the dating apps that they're like a filmmaker, a producer. I've never heard of them. They're an entrepreneur. Or just general New York dating problem. I want to hear, like, are we finance guy people? Are we in the comedy community? Because, like, listen, I went to an Airbnb in New York this past weekend in Saratoga for um, one of my boyfriend's single New York friends. And now I feel like after being with five single males dating in New York, I have a whole new perspective on dating in New York. So no no I want to hear from you we'll talk about me later <laughs> I mean I feel like it's all just a crapshoot um I've, I feel like I've just done it all I like swore off finance guys because they really are like the Murray chill stereotype especially at like that's where I am Murray Hill yeah <laughs> it all makes sense <laughs> um he's in sales but uh, his one roommate is a lawyer, and the other one is also sales. I got, I got one. Okay. Yeah, you have one. Um, I have a new term I've coined. I call them sneak peeks, mm. uh, which is when you basically are in a relationship with someone, but it doesn't become official. Like it's like that three months. You're like, I got a sneak peek what the relationship would be. Never got it because that whole I hate the whole exclusive game. I think it's bullshit. It's like it just from the woman's perspective, it's kind of like, all right, this feels like you're just like, well, I just want to have sex without condoms. So if we do exclusive, I get to have that, but I don't have to do all the boyfriend. Mm. But the whole time you're sitting there being like, but you are, it's the same thing. Like, I don't understand what the bridge from exclusive to relationship is. And I think for a lot of dudes, they draw the line at like meeting family or like going with you to a wedding, like something like that. But everything else, you're like, you're here all the time. We hang out all the time. I'm the only person you fucking talk to. I feel like you don't do any work in your job. Like, <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's something that being in a couple exclusives in New York has taught me I'm not doing that anymore. Like, I'm like, yeah. no, I'm your girl, or I'm not your girl. Like, and I'm not going to make you, like, decide right now, but I'm like, I'm not doing that in-between phase, you know? So is that, like, a common move you've gotten from guys in New York where they're like, I want to be exclusive, or, like, or do you bring up the conversation, or how does that happen? I think from like the female perspective, it's like, you don't know exactly what to say, but you're basically sitting there being like, I consider you to be my boyfriend, but it's not feminine to like ask a guy out in that way of like, do you want to be my boyfriend? Right. The way like a guy doing it to you would be like kind of cute, little romantic kind of thing. So a lot of women are in this thing where they, their first thing is like, I want to make sure you're not sleeping with other people. And I feel like that's where exclusive comes in. It's like, oh, are you, like, I'm not sleeping with anyone else. I don't know what you're doing. And that usually comes up with the not wanting to use condoms. You have that conversation. But then from there, it's kind of like, I don't know, so that happens like a month, two months in. And then it's like two months later, you're still sitting there like, okay, well, I've never been called girlfriend. 
So we're just in this exclusive land. And I think for women, I'm not even sure how I would necessarily, I guess, bring it up. And it's kind of indirectly your answer of like, if the guy at no point is like calling you his girlfriend or introducing you to his friends or something and being like, this is my girlfriend, Erica, it's like, you're not girlfriend then. Like until someone yeah. says, it's like, you're my girlfriend or I am only dating you. You have to assume they're still dating a bunch of other people, especially if you meet on an app. Okay, I agree with you 100% after talking to these motherfuckers because these guys are so busy with their career that I think when they like have the time to put into the girl, they actually are interested because like, honestly, after talking to them, you'd think that these guys were fuckboys. Not really fuckboys. Like a lot of them are only talking to like one girl or whatever. But I think what you're talking about by giving them the sneak peek, then they're like, okay, well, I know what it's going to be like. So like, why do I have to like follow through or put in the time commitment? And it's convenient for them because of COVID. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> it's convenient for them because they're busy. They're like into their career. That's what they care about. That like, you would be better off waiting to give them like the full thing and make the full commitment because otherwise like they're getting so much bang for their buck and they don't deserve it and they're not ready. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I'm starting to split tabs with you and shit. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, we're together. Uh, don't split tabs with them. They can afford it. <laughs> I haven't dated guys, so I can only, uh, <laughs> um, no, I would say like I've gotten dragged around and I do agree with Erica that like, if you have to ask the question, that's probably your answer in a lot of the situations. Um, I, I used to do that a lot when I was like 22, 23. And it was pretty brutal because I would stick around. You know, they always say just enough to keep you interested and like make you feel a little crazy and like you're overreacting for like wanting more when like it's so good the way it is. So like, why would you change it? And you're like, well, because like I deserve more. Um, but the other term that we coined was a landlord's son. <laughs> because <laughs> we live in Astoria where there's like a lot of Greek landlords and there's a lot of hot Greek dudes so that's like if you're at a table with a friend you'd be like yeah we got a landlord's son with a two that would mean that there's a guy with two hot friends mm. it sounds like you're just talking about real estate yeah. but the whole table all of a sudden knows what's happening mm. genius I like that um no, Molly, I think you made a good point of like when you were younger, like you didn't really set these boundaries. And I was listening to your one podcast where you said the guy wanted you to come over on Sunday and you were like, I don't want to set the precedent of coming over on Sunday. That's an annoying day. First of all, I will day yeah. drink with you on Sunday, but I'm not going to be like going over there in the evening when I have to work on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those boundaries are important. Have you seen him on Sunday since then? Or no? <laughs> not since then um but this is the guy that I'm currently seeing and it's actually kind of funny because I was thinking about that episode last night I was out of town all weekend and I was like fuck like I really would want to like hang out with him now that like it's been a longer like but I was afraid to like invite me over so we texted for like two seconds yesterday and I was just like kind of annoyed at bed I was like well I guess I'll go to sleep alone then <laughs> like, our podcast is all about like shoot your shot and, and even with that whole like what are we when you're young you're basically like if you bring that up and you don't get the answer you want you don't walk away and that's the thing i think you learn as you get older is like okay when you have that conversation you gotta know what you want and just start with what you want like i consider Mm -hmm. you my boyfriend i don't like i'm not dating anyone else i'm not talking to anyone else i like you a lot x whatever reasons and you're like i don't know how you see me but i see you as my boyfriend and if they're like look I, you know, I'm, I'm not ready for a relationship or like works really crazy. All those bullshit excuses. You just have to be like, yeah, that's fine. But like, then I'm going to date somebody else and you have to walk away. That's the part that's so hard is the walk away part. Cause that's how you truly negotiate. It's not like, there's no compromise. on like, am I your girlfriend or am I not? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times women, you're like, you know, like she said, if you bring it up, you're like, you know, you already know the answer yeah. and you're just not ready to leave it the same yeah. way like, you know, relationships are over and you're not ready to <laughs> leave it. Um, and the other part too is like, I've been the person, I kind of have that right now. Like there's someone I see and hook up with and that's what it is. But I know that's what it is. And dudes all the time keep you in the vague area because they think if they like actually tell you the truth, you're not going to like it and you're going to leave. And a lot of times it's like, no, women just want to know. I'm like, I just want to I'll feel guilty going on other dates if I think you're treating me like, oh, is this just us? You know what I mean? Right. I really love this landlord's son term. I was driving in Santa Monica a few weeks ago and I saw these three very attractive boys uh, 
running in front of me. And um, I have three single friends who also live in Santa Monica and I was driving to their apartment. So I started taking pictures of them and I was gonna like pull up beside them to be like, hey boys, like I got three girls living right over there. Come on over. But I didn't have the balls. If I see them again, I'm doing it though. Someone like asked me the other day, my one friend was texting me about, she got excited about some guy on a dating app and that lasted about five minutes before he did something weird. But like, why are, it seemingly seems like straight men are so hesitant to commit these days. And she literally texted me the words, like, why, why are they like this now? Like, why do you think that they're like this? And I mean, I said it was, I think a big part of it is like, what is it? The paradox of choice where you don't have to put in effort. And like, sometimes too, I feel like I'll talk to like, I'll talk to a guy till like four in the morning and I'll be like, oh, what a great connection. And he's just like, that was an awesome sex session. Like, it's just like, he doesn't like see it like that. And he, it's just more effort to try to build something with me than it is to go like talk to someone else on an app. So do you guys have any theories for why guys are shitty? I do believe in like the paradox of choice. And especially like I talk to my brother a lot about dating apps and the way that they're designed. And he's like, especially Bumble, right? Like you have to go in every 24 hours or it'll be a race, like your matches. So you're not going to go back to the conversation you just had. You're going to go look at the cute people who just said you're a smoke show, especially as a guy, because like it's the messages are up top. And I think it's pretty similar for women because you're going to, your eyes are drawn to all the hot dudes at the top that said they also like think you're pretty hot. So I think there's like a lot of just like kind of like serotonin released in your brain when that happens. Like you kind of get a high off of it. Like all of us are like, a little bit narcissistic. Like, that's why we are obsessed with Instagram and all of those things because we want that like, verification that we're attractive and that people like us. So every time you open one of these apps, it's just like a thousand more of those hits. So how are you going to build something sustainable? And they're also designed to be super judgmental. The first thing that you're doing is like swiping yes or no on someone's face. Like to a degree, you do that when you meet someone, you decide if you think they're hot or not. But like personally, I'm someone who makes a really good connection in a conversation. So before, like, of course, this is like the one person I'm seeing that I've ever like connected with online. Um, but usually, like, I wasn't using the apps and I was just meeting people in real life. And people would be like, oh my God, like, I don't think you have a physical type. All their personalities are like relatively similar. Mm-hmm. Um, or I was making similar like personality connections with. Okay, in general, with any app you do. It's always easier to just sit there and swipe and say yes and no to people than to start conversations and maintain conversations because conversations take effort. So even I'll have messages that I should, I need to respond to and I'll find myself going back and just like swiping for a bit. And it's like, no, answer the messages to these people. These people are talking to you. Like, don't you want to like maybe go on a date with someone? Um, And dating apps are just a very love hate. Like I hate to say it, but in today's day and age, I've rarely gone on an actual date with somebody if it wasn't through a dating app, then I met them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like I said, men live in that vague land and it's always like, we should hang out sometime. And I hit the point where I'm like, when they say that, I'm like, okay, like as friends or a date and they look at you and I'm like, dude, that's two different outfits. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, I need to know how much effort I'm putting in. Like, if this is just us chilling as friends, like I'm going to show up in my sweatshirt and like, we're chilling, you know? But like, oh, are you taking me out? Then like, I'm going to look hot. <laughs> you know yeah honestly i've thought about this this people probably won't not gonna like my answer but i think about like who treated me the absolute best of men i've dated and it was my high school boyfriend and i think a big reason of that is because no one was putting out in high school like there was a like distinct waiting period for you to do you know certain faces and stuff with people right like it kind of was like i don't know where i'm from it kind of was like you dated a person a year and then slept with them that was okay like, that was kind of the standard right uh, but in like real life, it's like, look, if half the women are putting out early and then the other half aren't, it's like, well, if you just want sex, you're just going to date someone or go out on a date with someone you're, that's more likely to maybe like put out. Right. And I don't think putting out is a make or break in relationships. I do think it's a personal, when are you comfortable? When are you not? But basically if no one was putting out for a certain period of time, like it was back in the day, it basically was like, no, you got to make a girl, your girlfriend. If you think sex is even on the table. And that's not how it is now. And I mean, part of me is like, great, because we're horny sometimes too. Sometimes we just want to hook up, right? But I think a lot of times that's 
where things get confusing or it gets blurred or basically it's the number of people. It's like I could have 10 women or I could have 10 men say no to me that I'm just trying to hook up with, but eventually I'm going to hit one that does. And so I get my fill and then I go about my way. Yeah. I do have a rebuttal to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the guy that I'm seeing right now, we hooked up and had like a lot of sex on our first date. Um, And he's by far like the nicest that anyone has ever been to me. So I don't know that it really is about like when you do or do not have sex. Like I think it's also a lot of things that you, you say to the person when you are in whatever part of like the courtship you're in right like the first night he was like I really want to invite you back but I want you to know that like I really do see you again and like had he not said that I probably would have still gone home with him but like not made any sort of follow-up or like attempts the next day like I would have seen it for what it was it's like a one-night stand but I was like all right well I guess I'll like let him see what he's got on you know in in following up the next couple of days um, and then we ended up going out again and like it, it really like stayed well by it. Like he was the one who like showed that he wanted me in the driver's seat on those things. So I just like let him show me like what, how interesting he was. Basically, I used to have a joke about number of dates to sleep with someone. I feel like a lot of women, it's like this three date mark, especially in New York. It's rare. It's rare that you're going on two from especially a dating app that you meet someone, right? It's a lot of first dates, no matter how you're meeting people. So it's typically a third date people sleep together. But upon doing this joke, I would ask couples in the crowd that were together for a while, I'd go, do you know how many dates it was till you slept together? And it's either number one or it's like five. Like there's not usually this kind of in between, maybe the three, but it's like, it's either the first night or they're like, the guy's kind of like, she made me wait a while. Like kind of, so I'm just saying more because I just see it on the apps of like, you're on the apps and the dude's cute or whatever you're talking and you're basically like, this guy's hot. Like I go on a date with this guy, I'm on sleep with but they'll bring up hookup stuff like in your conversation where you're like, I haven't even met you. We've barely spoken. And it like ruins it. But I'm sitting there like, how does this work for you? And it's like, well, it must work because they keep doing it. So it's like, basically whatever your level of comfort is, there's someone probably moving slower than you and someone moving faster than you. So with men, it's like, you kind of find out quickly, like, do they just want to hook up or do they want more? So like in my case, first date, the guy was like, no, I do want to see you again. Like, I really like you. And then Soon after that, he was like, hey, because of COVID, I know this is crazy, but like, I'm only hooking up with you. And it's like, holy shit, COVID's like making some people behave more or this is just a great guy. Like, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I feel like you guys do such a great job of being open and vulnerable about your dating lives and your sex lives on your podcast. So we have a letter today from somebody who also would like to be more open with the public about their dating life. And she writes... Dear damsels, for the longest time, I've been wanting to start a dating and relationships podcast. I just got out of a relationship and I feel like I learned so much from that as well as my dating experience in general. One can say I have dating app strategies down to an art. The only issue is that I feel there are already so many podcasts out there and that deal with this topic and I don't really have a unique twist for mine that would make it stand out from the rest of them. Plus, I'm worried if I start a dating podcast and any guy I date is going to be intimidated and think that I'm going to discuss them on the podcast in a negative way. What do you think? Is the market already too saturated? Sincerely, too late to the podcast game. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing from, from my perspective was to always be authentic and like you inevitably will get the people who make weird comments to you about the podcast. And I got some of actually the best advice from my brother about this. And it was the people who say things like, Oh my God, like, are you going to talk about this on your podcast? Or like, are you going to talk about me on your podcast? Or like, you know, like those snarky things that it's like to kind of poke at you. It's like, those are the people who don't believe in you and they should really fuck off. Like, you know, real hard, real quick, the people who don't think that you're good enough and a comment like that, like if a guy is worried that that's all you're going to talk about on your show, is just like be really catty and make it like really gossipy about them. And like, this sounds like a bright girl who wants to have, you know, good conversations and that's not what's going to happen. Then honestly, accept those comments, hear them and understand that that's someone who doesn't support you or believe in you. Um, I was going to say podcast market is saturated with any topic. Like there's a thousand true crime ones, like anything that blows up suddenly there's a lot of people essentially doing some version of that, right? So first of all, your podcast needs to be something you like talking about because you're going to be talking about it every week and there are going to be weeks you're a little tired or overworked. So it's like, it has to be something you're generally into because you're constantly working at it, 
with finding guests or finding topics, but like whatever your thing is. Um, if you want to do a dating podcast, I'm not going to discourage you, but I would advise you listen to a bunch of dating podcasts and find ones you really like and pick out what you like about them. And then even the ones that you like, be like, okay, what don't I like about it? Because you have to make some kind of show. Just like, I'm going to have dating stories. It's like, well, guess what? COVID hit and that slowed us down a little bit because it was like everyone was in lockdown, right? So we had to navigate, okay, talking about COVID dating, FaceTime dates, this, that. Like it changed our show a bit for a while. Um, so you have to find something that's sustainable for like, if you're going to do weekly and you might find, okay, this isn't sustainable for weekly, right? Maybe this girl just like keeps a journal for a year and she, I don't know, makes a season. She's basically like, all right, here's my dating highlights, a 10 episode thing, whatever. You got to kind of figure out what's best for you. Uh, yeah, in terms of people listening to and stuff, men are just, they just have egos. Anyone I match with on a dating app that I say I'm a comedian, they're immediately like, I've always wanted to be a comedian. Everyone says I'm funny. Well, then go do comedy and I'm not going to hold your hand and I'm not going to do it. But the same kind of goes with the podcast. They're like, oh, are you going to gonna talk about me on your podcast? I'm like, we haven't even gone on a date. And also, we keep things vague. And I tell everyone, I'm like, we never name names. We keep things very vague. We're never saying like direct things about people like where you live or any clues that like, the only person that would hear this and know it's them is them. Or like your best friend who knew, you know? Um, so yeah, I'd just be like something, it's gotta be something you love. If you love dating things, come up with a dating thing, but there has to be some theme other than just like dating stories. Is it diary form? Like, I don't know, you know? Well, I talk to Lauren about this a lot because I'm dating and I'm doing this podcast and you always tell me you're like, I don't think any guy is listening to our podcast, which they probably aren't. Um, but also guys were ghosting me before I started a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, like, are you just not going to do something that you love? Cause you're worried, like guys are going to be shitty regardless. So at least do something that you love and like talk about your experience. I was just thinking like on a producer standpoint, like what topic could you talk about that hasn't already been done? This has probably been done, but what she should do is like go on like each episode talk about like half going through her breakup and like what she learned from the relationship that she's now bringing like to the date you know she should do half and half like exploring the new world and then processing her old world I think there's always room for smart women in the dating world and I'm obviously not going to name names on like podcasts that are like here's how to play games with him and here's how to like trick him into liking you because like I just don't gravitate towards those types of podcasts. Like I love hearing like women like you guys. And there's like a few others that I listen to that are like, just don't take shit from men. Like stop. Like, I feel like that's kind of a big reason that I started this podcast with Lauren. It was like, I kind of ran out of podcasts that were giving me that type of good advice. So like, I feel like if you have some good takeaways and like, are like willing to share them, it's, there's room for you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason that dating podcasts are so saturated, but still work so well is that every story is different. Like everyone talks about dating, like rom-coms, like romance novels, like all of it has been around forever and it's not going anywhere. So Mm -hmm. to continue like creating that content is always going to make sense because you're going to bring something new to the table. You know, like even us just talking about the difference between New York and LA, which are two major cities filled with a lot of douchebags like it's yeah. still different and like then talking to people in like the midwest or in our hometowns of what's it like there they're so blown away to hear what it's like in the city so i feel like every person can bring something new to the table yeah yeah she should call the podcast that i'm developing for her out with the old and in with the new boom yeah your title is also very important your title needs to cast ours is all about basically we shoot, we take shots with women that take shots will initiate. And it's a lot of stuff that works and stuff that doesn't work. So that's what we share with you. We're like, we have this new move we're going to try, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't come from trickery. We're like, I don't know, try this, try this method. Um, yeah, but I was going to say how every dating is a uh, different. It's like, yeah, every murder has their own little like spin on murder, you know, like murders keep happening. They're all different. That's why we're intrigued by murder. And so the same with dating. <laughs> I would think you need, you need some type of, yeah, you got to figure out like what's the hook, what's the elevator pitch. Someone's like, I have a podcast. Like, what's it about? You just go dating and relationships. Like, that is very broad. Like, mm-hmm. you'd be like, what's your podcast about? Oh, my half dating with her. So, like, boom. Okay, there it is. So, I'd say like, yeah, come up with your elevator pitch and record a couple practice episodes. We did that because we were like, we think this is what it's going to be about. And we're like, okay, maybe not so much this, a little more of that. Like, and listen to yourself. Put in the work. 
Because everybody thinks it's not good when you show up and you shit around and goof around, and that's not what it is. <laughs> the good podcasts truly are prepared a little bit. There's preparation and, and dedication, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, it was. I was trying to do this with a couple people before I met Lauren, and they were all excited about the idea. But when I sat down, I was like, okay, what's our marketing strategy? Like, what are like the platforms we're going to use? And those are things you need to look into too, because it's not just putting it out. It's marketing it on all 20 social media channels that are out there right now, you know, and finding someone that's like really willing to put in that work. And that's like, like it's been really great with Lauren. Cause it's like, we split up the responsibilities and yeah, it's a lot more work than just sitting around and fucking around in front of a mic. Like that part's always fun, but then you have to like get people to listen. Well, Molly and Erica, tell everyone where they can find you and where they can listen to the podcast. Um, yes, you can listen to Shooters Gotta Shoot anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at Shooters Gotta Shoot Pod. And I'm on Instagram at the Guaca underscore Molly. Instagram at Sperica with two A's. S-P-E-R-I-C-A-A. Cool. Thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. Love them. So sweet. It's so nice in the comedy world that it's just, it just feels like more camaraderie and less competition, you know? You feel like more in the comedy world than in the acting world? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I stand by that pretty fully. (laughs) Because you feel like you're like not competing for roles the way you would be competing for spots or something like that? Yeah, totally. And I think it's just something like, like they have their podcast and we have ours and it's not exactly the same. And I just feel like there's so many different ways you can approach the comedy world, whether it be like sketch or impressions or improv or what, like, you know, having your own podcast, whatever you want to do. But it's like, there's just a lot more room for growth. And it's not like you're trying to like beat some out, beat someone out for like one role. There's kind of a place for everyone. You know what I think it is? I think that comedians really know who they are and they've accepted it and they're not afraid to tell people about it and talk about it. And they don't um, like compare themselves to other people. They're not trying to fit into a mold the same way that actors are. And I say that like with lots of love for actors because I am primarily an actor, but I think from being on this podcast and talking to so many comedians, comedians just have a great sense of self that I don't think actors always have same write us your letters yes and until next time it's going down in the dms bye thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.